கனவிலே வந்து போகிறாய் கனவில் வந்து நீயும் மறைந்து போகிறாய் உன்னை கண்ட மூதல் நோடி என்னை விட்டு போகாதே கண்ணால் பேசி எந்த இதயத்தை ஏதோ மாயம் செய்தாயே உன்னாலேதானே fresh Hot off the press, P-Gash music, Unaladane, out on YouTube and Spotify right now. The crazy music video as well, bro. Yo, crazy music video. It's actually shot by the one and only Zenith Entertainment. Yeah. On the west side of the city. Mm-hmm. But they still killing it. They still killing it. <laughs> Shout out to Zenith one time. Yo, man, don't sleep on P-Gash. He got a lot of good music coming your way, so keep a lookout for him. Once again, that song is Unaladane, out on Spotify and YouTube right now. But that being said, we got another crazy show for y'all tonight. We got an absolutely amazing guest that's mm. going to be joining us on the air very shortly. She's been doing a lot of great things. Her name is Samantha Krishnapula, the founder, executive director, and editor of the On Canada Project, also formerly known as the On COVID-19 Project. Mm-hmm. Major news outlet on Instagram right now has been featured on uh, media outlets such as CBC Radio, CTV, Breakfast Television, TVO, and even Six Buzz. Six Buzz? Right. That's legit. <laughs> That's right legit. There. That's how you know you get the green check mark right Certified. then and there. Here we go. We're going to go jump right straight into this. This is Sam. Sam, how's it going? It's going really well. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank, thank you. Thank you, you so thank much you for, for joining here. us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. We've been uh, very excited to talk to Sam for quite some time. But uh, for those of you who are listening right now and don't know who Sam is and what she's doing with the On Canada Project, Sam, can you please introduce yourself and tell us about what you're doing? Yeah. Um, hi, my name is Samantha Krishna Pillay. Um, I launched the On Canada Project, was then called the On COVID-19 Project, um, on June 1st of 2020 in a response to quite frankly, really crappy public health communication and uh, public health communication that didn't really um, focus on inclusion and how to speak to people with who are experiencing different degrees of privilege and therefore had issues accessing resources. So yeah, I, I, I was like, this is the one subject I could talk about. I went to school for it. So I was like, cool, I'll just start making infographics on the internet and I'll ask the internet to help me and recruit some people to help as well. And then I guess people were really excited about that. And um, as the months went on, the project shifted its sort of focus from just COVID-19, but now into social inequities. Um, I I like to think that that's largely because of the fact that um, I was sort of finding myself at the same time as the project was finding itself. Right. And then it shifted from sort of a passion project into what we're now hoping will be like a sustainable social enterprise, but time will tell. It definitely will be soon enough. Amazing. Yeah, you lightly touched on it. Can you go a little bit about your background and your educational background for that matter of why this topic was so important for you? Yeah, so I think when everyone was like, so like take yourself back to March, 2020, 
the World Health Organization announces a global pandemic. And everyone else was like, I feel like, was like, what is going on? Like, super stressed out. And I was like, I knew this day was going to come. Like, I, was just, <laughs> I was, that's what they tell you. It's yeah. cool. The whole right. educational process, yep. they're like, it's coming. It's coming. And I was like, okay, I've got this. I know my thing. I know how an infectious disease gets spread. Yeah. I know, like, what R0 is. I know all these things. And I just, like, as scared and overwhelmed as I was, like, mm-hmm. that, that's, of course, going to be a thing. Like, I understood the context. Mm-hmm. And I understood, like, why things were happening in the way that it was. Right. And I also had, like, the political background of, like, paying attention to politics, having volunteered in it, that I understood why decisions were taking the time that they were to happen, um, or why there was certain advice happening or decisions that were being made. So I felt like, dis- even though I was worried and nervous, um, I wasn't confused. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool that I wasn't confused. And what if I could help more people be less confused? Mm -hmm. So my educational background is in health sciences. I went to Western, had a little bit of a nonlinear educational path, um, as my parents would say. (laughs) Uh, uh, Well-seasoned is what you're saying. (laughs) Sorry? Well-seasoned in uh, in various different uh, subjects, I guess you could say. Uh, no, uh, that, yes. Uh, but also, uh, you just met me, so this is a lot, but I share it pretty often, openly, is that I went through a lot of mental health issues, um, like, after I was on our student council for a year. Right. And that really, like, I intentionally took time off and focused on my mental health. Um, and that really shaped me into the person I am today, and I think uh, has led to, like, being able to lean into opportunity in the way that I do now versus like, I think 25 year old Samantha would have been like shutting down, crying under her desk. Um, So like it wasn't a traditional four year degree. It took me quite some years to finish it. Um, And then I went back being like, you think I would have enough of school? And I would be like, no, (laughs) I must prove that I can finish things on time. So I went back and I did a master's Amazing. also on in health information sciences. So that's basically all I've ever studied. And I, and then a global pandemic hit. And I was like, this is the thing I get. If it was an economic crisis, I would be out of luck. Am I allowed to say words? Yes, yes you are. No problem. Okay. Speak your truth. And Sam, before we uh, even go on to the next question or next topic, that is to say, you have openly spoken about the issues the mental health issues that you have been through on a personal scale and just that in itself you being able to help those especially when a pandemic hits and say hey i think i know what to do and i'm going to put that out there for the world and help just not just myself but i'm going to help those gen z those millennials and reach as much of an outreach that i can and on top of that be open about what you have been through and and you have also previously said that this is not on Canada Project as much as a great accomplishment it is. The fact that you have come through and overcome such a big hurdle in your life is your biggest accomplishment. And uh, that just in itself is amazing that you're able to even just put your story out there and not uh, not keep it within you, but you're really letting others know, you know, it's okay to go through this and you will one day succeed. You will one day survive and you're going to overcome every struggle that you have been through. You creeped me. I've been creeped. <laughs> yes, you have. We have to do our research. Once our guest comes on, we need to do our research. That's, I don't think anyone has openly creeped and then told me about their creeping. But well, I, but you know, you just, very... you, just like how you said, you That's just met us, do. but you were open. But um, I just met you, but I'm going to be open too. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess my parents are not happy that I talk about my mental health publicly um, because they're like, what will your future husband's family say? Mm-hmm. Like, like, they will judge you hard. And I was like, 
I mean, maybe, but like what was more exhausting for me um, was pretending to be something I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Of course. Like it'll, well, I hope I don't cry. Um, I purposely didn't wear mascara because I thought <laughs> I would cry. Um, but that, that seemed like that was really exhausting when I was going through the, the, the worst of it, having to go to family functions and like have a smile on my face and like put a good image yeah. out. I just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's not me being like kind that I'm sharing my story. I'm just lazy and I don't want to have to like, be something i'm not it's a lot of work to oh, remember yeah, those things and yes. remember the details yes. mm -hmm. um it's really easy just being me right. so yeah i i i think that's really been important and also i just think that like it's not a unique story so many of us have mental health issues especially the tamil community like there's intergenerational trauma there there's so much stuff to unpack definitely um so like it just always didn't make sense to me that it was happening behind closed doors mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I get that, like, when you're in the thick of it, yeah, that makes sense. Like, you don't really need external input then. But for me, coming, having, like, I'm still a hot mess, but, like, way less so. And, like, having come through so much of that, that to be able to speak to it, I just think is important. Because important. I wish I had heard someone talking about it when I was that age. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And, Sam, I'm going to butt, butt in one more time. Um, I'm going to add an adjective. You're lazy, but you are brave. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to add in that oh, one adjective. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I love that. That is how I would describe myself. Yes, Lazy but brave. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they say that you really got to find yourself before you find your passion. And right. um, I think you're, you're a perfect example of that, right? I mean, um, you're able to do that through the journey that you've been through and then uh, obviously deliver um, the great uh, initiative that you have through the On Canada Project as well. Um, I also want to touch on a few different things because I think you, I come from a health science background myself as well. And I think um, you touch on a great point when you talk about, you know, social determinants of health, right? The, um, the impact that the social aspects and, uh, you know, the, the environment around us has uh, on healthcare, the access to healthcare you may get and, you know, the, the quality of life someone may have, um, you know, prior to experiencing something like a global pandemic and how that's going to impact them during a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, that was the core starting point for the On Canada project be before it came, became what it is today. So mm -hmm. let's take a step back now and talk about, you know, the beginning of the pandemic and why you thought these social determinants were so important to speak on and to raise awareness about online. Oh. Well, I mean, I feel like the moment you get learn about social determinants of health, um, like I've always wanted to scream about it at the top of my lungs. I just found an Instagram account to do it on. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it's, um, you hear a lot of people talk about like people don't try enough or if they cared enough, they would read up about it. Google's free. So like you should have the time to go and look into things. And I just feel like that, I mean, there are some people where maybe that's valid, especially if you're coming from a place of immense privilege. But I think about what it was like growing up in a multi-generational apartment. Mm -hmm. um, and like my parents didn't have time to sit and like look up information. Mm -hmm. um, my grandparents didn't have like the connections in the city to like lean on community members or whatever. Like they were winging it. And like this doesn't really answer your question, but I have this whole thing on like our parents came here to survive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like being born here gives us the ability to thrive. And the only way to do that is if um, we lift each other up, I think. And uh, that's why this this enti entire initiative that you guys are doing, I think is so cool um, because more of that needs to be happening, uh, not just within the Tamil community, but 
from anyone who is like racialized in any way, mm -hmm. our stories are same, same, but different. Like right. they're right. so similar. Um, and yeah, I just think that's really important, but yeah, from, from the social determinants of health perspective, my grandmother was in and out of the hospital my like whole life. She was really not well, kind of soul in the world. She passed away last year. Um, and she, she was, I remember like being in grade five and sitting with her when she was at the hospital and they like, the doctors needed someone to translate. And like, I could tell that my aunt was translating it wrong mm. because it was like health terms and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, so I was yeah. like, I know that's not what she said or what she means, right. but and I was just thinking how messed up it is that that's how the healthcare is being delivered. Yeah. So like that language barrier um, and how, like how much money would it cost to have some translators right. like working at a hospital that can go through rotations or, you know, maybe just hire diverse doctors right. or diverse nurses. Mm -hmm. um, there's enough of us trying to get into med school. So like, just, <laughs> just do that. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that sort of opened me up to like real life experience, got the education. And then with the pandemic, I was like, these are pre-existing, they're going to worsen, and they're going to exist after exactly. the pandemic's over. So we have to keep talking about this stuff. And people are paying attention right now. So like, can I Jedi mind trick them into knowing more about other issues as well? Um, and that's sort of what sort of launched the project. I also like need to give context when I explain a story. So I'll be like, listen, at a young age, I showed a disposition for coloring. And that is why I did this and I grew up and all that. <laughs> so that's like personally myself, I have to tell like the context of everything. Right. So when I share about news and stories, I also feel the need to build the context there as well. It's a great analogy. You said Jedi mind tricks. And uh, <laughs> it, it really is because, um, you know, like Instagram, what's the dimensions? It's like four by four or something. It's like a tiny ass little box that you can, it's, it's that you basically score. 1080 by 1080 is what it there is. There you go. Oh, we got the local go. expert on, on the air right now. Everyone's just scrolling through Instagram and like there's only so much information you can fit in a little box. And when you're talking about issues like, you know, a pandemic, you're talking about indigenous rights, you know, yes. you're talking about uh, genocides, you're talking about so many different things. And for the most part, when people are resharing stuff on their Instagram stories of things that they see, it's usually just, you know, the one little box. And like, mm -hmm. how much information can you really fit in there that mm -hmm. it, um, you know, is informational enough and raises awareness and then people either want to reshare or click on it to learn more and read more, right? I think, mm -hmm. at, at least I've personally experienced that a lot, especially, you know, with things like, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and like uh, all these other movements have gone on during, um, you know, this last year has been crazy for all of us, right? Yeah. So what you guys are doing at the On Canada Project is actually um, quite unique in its own because it quite literally is just, um, you know, a few sentences written <laughs> using, you know, some smart color codes and uh, simplified enough in a way where, you know, you can really just read off the top of the box what it is and uh, get a high level understanding. And if you want to learn more, you can click and learn more or share mm -hmm. and learn more. So um, it's quite simple, but Jedi Mind Trick is definitely a great way, way to uh, describe it. <laughs> Super effective. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your Jedi Mind Tricks and um, <laughs> where you learned them? <laughs> Who's your Obi-Wan? Where I learned them? <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> oh man, I wish I was a real Jedi. Um, but no, uh, I don't really know where, I, honestly, I've been winging it the whole year. I've been lucky enough to find people to help that have made it better and stronger. And it's, it grew from an idea that I have, but it's definitely like, it's what it is today because so many people have given me their two cents and helped me and, and put their time in and everything. So that's really um, a testament of the people who have joined the project. I think for me, I was like, what would make me share a post on Instagram? I would have to understand it. So it right. has to be simple enough that I would understand this new topic. Right. I also spent so many years in school because of my unconventional timeline. Um, and the entire time, 
they kept going like, we have to break out of echo chambers. Echo chambers are no good. Echo chambers will destroy us. We need to work with other industries. And then nobody broke out of the echo chamber. Mm -hmm. They just kept saying, I went to a public health conference where they were like talking about the importance of social determinants of health. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like, how have you partnered with other industries or other like sectors and all that stuff? And they don't, they just talk to each other. And I, um, I was just like, that's no good right. because you can't create a movement around something or momentum or political will unless everyday people are engaging with that subject matter, right. especially in a country like Canada that's reactive in their policies and not proactive. Um, you need the political will. You need people engaging in that content. So I really wanted to make information easy enough that somebody who's super busy has a bunch of things to do but saw the infographics swiped through and was a little bit more informed about it. And then maybe would pay a li- little bit more attention the next time a news story came up because they had that context built right. and they had a little information built. So yeah, that's really, that's when like it's shifted into on Canada. What the focus is really about was really giving people just enough to spark an interest in the issue, to understand their part, give them action to take, Um, but also set them up for success the next time this issue comes up, because this was my great idea, this project, I've done my my little thing to give back to the world, Mm. but now I'm hoping that the a hundred thousand people who follow us find their little thing based on the information they've learned and do something great with that. They just need the info just has to be shared. It can't be kept in like the ivory tower of academia. Mm -hmm. You you touched on this a little bit uh, in terms of uh, you, of course, are the founder of the On Canada Project, but you have a huge, vast team uh, alongside with you as well. Uh, We have uh, more than 130 internal team members and more than 300 external team members. Can you talk a little bit about how it started with you and then it became such a a large team and uh, uh, with so many vast number of people being able to contribute to such a, a great cause? I honestly don't know how it happened. <laughs> I'm really grateful to it. I'm, I'm like, I'm so grateful. Um, I think I've had really good and really bad volunteer experiences. So I tried to figure out a way to invite people in, in a way that would make it meaningful for a way that like lets them build something. You know, we've all been that volunteer that has to do like tax receipts for someone or right, so, like yeah. it's like a really meaningless like volunteer work. experience yeah yeah. Right. yeah it's the worst and it's like what do you get out of that like you've given all your time to this thing and like you've got so i really wanted to give people opportunity to play in their spaces mm-hmm. come up with ideas and innovate because i knew i wouldn't i knew from the jump i am not smart enough to pull this off alone like i would need other people's ideas mm-hmm. um and i would need them to be as passionate about what we're doing right in a way Maybe I Jedi mind tricked them. Um, so that might have been what happened on. there. Wow. That's and, amazing. And Sam, ad- additionally, with with regards to Jedi mind tricking, basically the entire world at this point. Which uh, hats <laughs> off to you. Basically. <laughs> However, I just wanted to ask you: Why exactly is it that you target millennials and Gen Z? What is the what mm. is the reasoning behind that? I mean, of course, you did touch on this, but just a more deeper understanding of why it is that you chose that specific audience in that sense? So um, when the pandemic started, remember for that brief period, it was just like only old people are getting sick. So young people don't have to worry. And young people did not care. Right. Right. Um, So that was a large part of the um, reason. Mm -hmm. The other part was I am not like, I went to school for health sciences. I don't have a comms background. I was like, I don't know how to talk to people in my parents' generation. Mm -hmm. My dad frequently tells me to shut up. So like, (laughs) there was no way that this was going to be like, I would know how to communicate effectively with that generation. Mm -hmm. But 
I have spent 30 years uh, like obsessed with pop culture, mm-hmm. partly because of internalized racism, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I spent about like, I was obsessed with pop culture. So I was like, I can be funny and like embed stuff in here and my generations will get it. Like mm-hmm. millennials will get it. Gen Z will get it. Um, and then it's relatable and then it's conversational and it's not academic. Um, and I just felt like that's something I could, I knew millennials and Gen Z would relate with where I was like, I don't know what my dad would say to this reference to mean girls or like some crap. Like I, I just didn't, I just was like, I could focus on this little area and I could do that well. But the thing is like, we get a lot of emails telling us to stop leaving Gen Xers out. Um, like, so they're they're knocking on the door on right now. Are they on Instagram? That's a real they, question. Not not a lot, but like they're like I don't know why you are isolating me. It's always someone. <laughs> well, I think the reality is, I mean, although the description of the page itself is giving millennials and Gen Z information they need to disrupt the status quo, um, like, it's not like the, Karen. Like yeah, it's it's not like the, the <laughs> it's not like the post itself or yeah. uh, written in any way that they're not going to understand it, right? It's uh, it's it's still well, digestible it's comprehensible to right? all. It's definitely comprehensible to all. Everyone definitely, can understand. Sure. Instagram's not. But they just a, want their name in there as well. Right. You know? yeah. right. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I would also <laughs> like a house. So like, you you guys get the housing market, and we just get this one Instagram right. account. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I right? think it's fair. Not really. <laughs> not really. I would prefer the house. I would. I would. A hundred percent start playing Gen X. <laughs> so let's talk about the switch, right? Because of course, uh, it was the COVID project at, at one point in time, or the COVID nineteen project, and then of course it became the On Canada project. So, um, you know, when did it become, um, you know, evident to you that this is a page that was going to do some some real, you know, damage in terms of uh, positive impact on the community um, and raising awareness? And uh, why did you, you know, choose to switch to social issues? Okay. Um, a couple of things. One, when we started the account, there was only two other Canadian accounts talking about COVID-19 on Instagram, and neither one of them were communicating in the tone that we were intending to. So that, that conversational, like plainly explaining, mm-hmm. um, distributing that knowledge, that wasn't like they, they all, they both have their strengths, but it wasn't, that wasn't what they were doing or that wasn't what they were great at. I think that's what we're really great at. Right. Um, so when I started it, I wasn't reinventing a wheel. I wasn't taking up space that someone else was already taking up. But as several months went by, so many more Instagram accounts started. Right. And I and we like we have a back end, we started a back end like group chat of all these accounts. Um, because community is first and like that's way more important than competition. We're Instagram accounts, everyone's <laughs> doing this for free, like we're fine. Yes. Um, as more and more people emerged, I was like, I we don't have to own this space anymore. People have showed up, people are starting to talk about it. Mm. How do we take up a different space and amplify the work that they're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so like what I realized was harder for people to do, and that largely because people were afraid of the idea of being too political, which I have no problem with um was to start con- contextualizing it to like why these are issues mm-hmm. and what is it like not only why but also what can currently be done and that's often a political call to action right so that like yeah that's where it got a little like dicey with some of the organize they were like that's not we're, we're not into that i was like great we'll own that space we mm-hmm. can do that mm-hmm. um so that's so around like november we started to contextualizing Uh, like systemic racism and why like you shouldn't blame people of color for getting having high rates of covid like 
trust us. We're not looking for it. Like it, like just, you know, like how do we build that capacity in people? And then as that started happening, that felt more like aligned with the type of work I would want to be talking about anyways. Mm -hmm. So I leaned into it and then our team was leaning into it. And then we, by, I think, end of November, early December, we were like, we should just talk about Canadian issues writ large, like across the thing. And there were a couple big factors around that one. Um, more Canadians and can name like more, at least from my friends can name 10 elected officials in the States and they don't know their own MP. Right. Mm. Um, and that honestly, I don't blame my friends for that. AOC has a presence. She shows up, she takes up yep. space. Mm -hmm. Our leaders don't do that because they have this weird, like, you have to follow what the party leader says. So everyone just kind of toes a party line. Yes. When there's an election this fall, they're all going to call for a vote, but not one of them called like giving information on where to get a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that type of stuff where it's like the system doesn't work for millennials and Gen Z. It doesn't work for people of color. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do we change that? How do we systemically fix it? I don't have the answer, but I bet you someone who follows us does. And all I have to do is give them enough information to run with it. Mm. And like, like, again, lazy. I don't want to do everything. <laughs> like, I just want to set people up to go figure that That's stuff amazing. out themselves. Yeah. Um, so then we started going, like, how do we invite people in? Politics is dicey. Politics is hard to figure out. It feels overwhelming. That's when the shift started happening. And so by December, we were like, we're going with the On Canada Project. That's a long-term thing. Um, that's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to invite Canadians, especially millennials and Gen Z into issues that otherwise we'd be like, we just don't know enough about this right? Um, because they didn't teach us about it or they left it out of it. Like how do we make that less of a reason to not engage? Right. Um, so, I don't I mean, know if that really answers your questions. If you can't tell, I ramble. No, it's good. <laughs> we, we, uh, we, we actually want you to tell the story. So it's good that you say that. But um, to your point, um, of course, I mean, you know, changing um I hate to use the word voter, but the voter opinion, right? Um, Gen Z's account for 10.5 million, 28% of the Canadian population currently. Uh, and millennials account for 8.3 million uh, of the Canadian population currently. So obviously a substantial population uh, that we're talking about here. And these are uh, future vo voters, future taxpayers, future um, you know innovators of our country itself. So to be able to place them in a, in a right position and... Um, keep them informed um, in the right ways is, is truly important for the growth of our communities and um, you know, the, the growth of the country as a whole too. Um, so it's absolutely amazing that you guys decided to continue to pursue what you, uh, what you're doing here with the on Canada project, right. because I think um, you found something uh, bigger in this uh, than, than I think you realized when you first started it off. Right. And I, yeah. I think that switch was definitely needed at, as well. That uh, switch that the, the fact that you even started off amazing, but the fact that the, you, wanted to switch and got that to happen at the end of the day it's not only inspiring um, those who are affected by covid you are now inspiring multiple people who are just you know seeking information they don't know where to get it they don't know how to get it people are of course lazy to read um, too many paragraphs five sentences even might be too much sometimes so just the fact that it's be it's able to be compacted into such a you know a, those those tiny four those little squares is it's amazing and with that being said sam you also did mention your um team so with regards to your team there's um the on canada project is currently a volunteer based and it's led by young mm -hmm. adults as you had mentioned before so with that being said the fact that so much was targeted and and was able you were able to overcome so many things and the on canada project is where it is right now what are the future plans for On Canada Project? Do you have any, you know, funding that you are 
perhaps thinking of applying for? Are you planning on do you, any any secrets, <laughs> your Jedi tricks, anything <laughs> that's you, that you have up your sleeve? Yeah, there's been two things I have not been able to Jedi mind trick, mm-hmm. money and a husband. Everything <laughs> else, it seems to work. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the money will come from, mm-hmm. but I feel like it will. Right. Mm. I feel like if you do good work and you do it for the right, like it's what I'm really proud of with the project, like is the fact that we know who we are now. Right. We know the space we're trying to occupy. We know the values that we have. Um, I feel like I'm growing up with it. This last year, I feel like I've grown up so much um, in like identifying who I am in the space I want to occupy uh, and finding people who believe in that as well. Like we've had people on our team um, who didn't align. Like they wanted to take the competition route. They wanted to do other things. It kind of just worked out. It just got to a place where it was the right people wow. with the right vision, mm-hmm. predominantly people of color in leadership roles. Like it just like it, you could feel something shifting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think money will come. We are looking to occupy two major spaces. We're looking to take up content. So we think continuing to contextualize information in a compassionate and conversational tone while still being critical um, is a big part of what we want to continue doing. And we're looking to do it now, maybe through a podcast, maybe through a newsletter, sort of building that space out. Podcast is a great idea. No, uh, no bias over here. (laughs) (laughs) And then from that, like from that content space comes our community. So I think our superpower is we listen to our community. Mm -hmm. Like I read the DMS, I read the comments, I look at the public reshares and I look at what they've written for it. I want to understand the people we're talking to. Awesome. Um, and we very like publicly, sometimes I say followers, but internally we only, we call them our community mm-hmm. um, because that's like, they're part of us. They're part of the work we're doing and right. it doesn't make sense unless they're engaging with it. Right. Yeah. Um, so how do, yeah. So like we want to set up a membership program that um, doesn't like, it wouldn't be a paywall to content because I think content should be free and accessible, but to community networking events, to, um, uh, workshops to learning opportunities. So like, that's something we've been sort of, sort of, uh, manifesting. Um, and then the other spot is a collective space. So that space is going to be more of a consulting business. end. so it's more of the enterprise of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, my high school best friend is sort of co-founding that area with me. And, um, that space will be focused on, uh, like helping people, practice active ally like the amount of white people who've been sliding into our dms asking for us to consult on other companies yeah then you go look them up and it's like all white people in senior leadership roles <laughs> and you're like well of course <laughs> like, <laughs> so um i know you're talking about um content right so let's get back to this um you said content should be free, and I think that's very important to talk on as well. But I think where the information on the content comes from is even more important, right? And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Um, like a perfect example I'll give you is the, the indigenous rights movements that's been happening in the last little bit. There's been a number of organizations that's collecting funds, um, you know, uh, whether it be like uh, informational programs or to give back to indigenous communities. But of course, there's a number of them, and some of them may not be legitimate. Some of them may be, uh, you know, more legitimate than others. So how do you really verify sources uh, of information and then sources of, you know, um, charity groups or organizations that people can mm-hmm. c- communicate with uh, before you put that stuff out on Instagram? Yeah, so um, two things, like, to what you're saying, like, it's really hard looking up history and, like, um, stories of people who are not white. Like, it's super difficult. Like, I 
struggle to look up things in Sri Lanka. It's super, like about Tamil people from Sri Lanka, I str- struggle to look up stuff around indigenous people mm-hmm. of Canada. And like, it's, it's because like the white man wrote the history textbooks. Right. So it's not captured in the way that it should be. Right. Um, so that was really hard. And I think we knew that from the beginning. And um, in May, like April and May, we had reached out to indigenous community leaders um, and like professors that were indigenous that taught it. And we had developed a little community of people to lean on when the 215 children were found or recovered at Kamloops. So I think that's what worked for us is that like, we didn't approach them after this. We were already in a relationship with these people, talking to them, communicating with them, asking what we can do, asking how to set ourselves up for success uh, in how we would share this information. Um, like the first four steps that we put in that like post came not, are not from us. It's from Alan at U- the university of Victoria. Like he's the one that like gave up. He told me that's what I should be doing. And I was like, that makes sense. I'll tell other people too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just work with actual people from those spaces, mm-hmm. which I know seems like not a very, like, I feel like that sounds really simple, but we just like connect with those community groups and we go, will you check this for us? And right. then they do it. And I think because we've kind of built this presence that is like very inclusive and like whatever, um, people are nice back. So they, they look over it for us. But I like, I do know that that's, that, that has been really hard and we have been like, it's been hard to fact check stuff. It's just, yeah. No, I think it makes sense, especially because, yeah. um, you know, when you have an established presence, especially on a large media platform as well, um, I guess when you're approaching uh, some of these community leaders or community groups, um, they understand your presence and uh, are more than willing to assist. Uh, but I guess for the average person um, that's, you know, that's looking to to make some kind of impact or to uh, find the right source of information, it may be a little bit dif- more difficult and they'd have to jump through hurdles to really verify that. But having, you know, um, a media outlet such as the On Canada Project, really does make that that much easier for people to find uh, legitimate sources of information and legitimate uh, organizations to, you know, communicate with and to reach out to, um, and if need be, send donations to as well. Because mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of us find that ourselves in, you know, a 2020 situation or whatever it was. 2012. Was it 2012? Mm-hmm. Look at me. Yeah. Time 2020, all, time thank God, it's not, it wasn't recent. <laughs> <laughs> 2012, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think even, like, if you go back to, you know, even again, earlier this year, right, we had um, the Blackout Tuesday, or last year, rather, um, for the Black Lives Matter uh, movement that was happening. And um, I know there was some confusion about the hashtags that were used, uh, and people were misguided. And obviously, because they weren't informed correctly, and simply were told to, you know, put up a picture of, mm-hmm. um, you know, a black box and, and write Blackout Tuesday, the appropriate media outlets weren't able to to you know, see the the effects of the movement, or you know, reach the uh, the goals that the the actual movement was looking to reach yeah. in terms of numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, t- to that point, I mean, of course, having um, verified source of information, I think, is quite important. Right, and it's, it's also and it's also very, um, especially in today's day and world, it's um, it's hard. Everything that you see in here. People tend to hold on to that word or hold on to that sentence, whatever it is that they heard, whatever it is that the person said. But um, our listeners, to all of them listening right now, to all of you all listening, On Canada Project is legit. <laughs> so you can you can believe what you see. Yes. You can fact believe checked. what you hear. Fact yes, checked. fact checked right there, which is um, it's a good safety net to know as well, just to be able to know that what you are reading, what you are seeing is 
verified is true in its very very own form in that sense and speaking on that of course you mentioned that this is not something that could could have been done simply by yourself so samantha we're talking about samantha founder of the on canada project can you tell us a little bit about anyone who's been listening and is really interested to learn more about the on canada project or how they can help you um where can they find this information um yeah they can follow us um on instagram uh, at on canada project um we also have a website that gives you know ways to get involved on our project um there's a lot of different ways uh so on canada project.ca um if you're super wealthy and would like to give us money <laughs> we will also take that from you um yeah that's sort of what we do and where we're at <laughs> amazing amazing yeah, beautiful once again ladies and gentlemen that was sam krishna pele from the on canada project be sure to check them out at www.oncanadaproject.ca and please do give them a follow on instagram at on canada let's bring project. that to 200k let's go yeah yes. let's shoot that up 75k not too far away what do you what i feel like once you pass that 100k mark yeah the rest right. is just easy yeah. man the rest you, is easy you, as long as you have that swipe up feature you're good that's, that's, <laughs> that's, how, that's how i see it <laughs> Yeah, that's just 10K, though. Yeah, 10K, so, yeah. As long as you have that, I feel like you're, we're, you know, you're good. You're like, good. You're long past. <laughs> I mean, when we look at it, uh, 10K was reached in February. So yes, that's crazy. It's that's it's not too far away. Yeah. 200K, it's like some 500K, not too far away. And you can't doubt the legitimacy from, uh, you know, the yeah. uh, the green light from uh, from Gen Zs and millennials because the On Counter Project was actually featured on 6Buzz. Yes, it was. Just the other day. <laughs> just the other day. Shout out six buzz, six buzz. You know what it is. <laughs> I know that was legitimately. I have never. I am not a cool person by any means, <laughs> and I finally felt cool. That's it a was flex. So amazing. It's yeah. definitely a flex. Yeah. You, 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 you might yeah. consider getting six buzz tatted. You know. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but uh no but uh yeah they they're they're such a cool news team over there and yeah. they've been really great but um yeah i really that was that was definitely there's very few media appearances that are exciting or media interviews that not like this this is really great and really <laughs> i was gonna say uh, <laughs> um but there's uh yeah i think uh there's not a lot that like i feel super excited about because i just feel awkward most of the time mm -hmm. But I felt like Six Buzz made me cool to my 16 year old <laughs> cousin. Like, yeah. The ones so that are hardest I, to impress. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I just feel like I'm still like waiting to text him about it because I want to let it settle. <laughs> but I feel like he's going to think I'm cool now. So I feel <laughs> really good. And even with regards to Instagram, we're just. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen sooner than later, but we're waiting for that um, check, that Instagram verified. That check. verified. It yes. will definitely Blue check come. Mark. Yeah. Okay. Come sooner than later. So we're waiting for that as well, Sam. <laughs> Once again, this has been Samantha Krishna Pillay, the founder, executive director, and editor in chief mm -hmm. of the On Canada Project. Sam, thank you so much Let's for joining go. us. It was an absolute blessing having you on. And uh, we're truly appreciative of all the work you do. Uh, more luck to you and uh, more power to the On Canada Project. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the After Hours Show live on East FM 102.7. Once again, every Friday night, 9 to 11 p.m. It's your boy, Prodigy. This is Cypher. And it's Moni. And we out. Peace. Peace.